The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Hey, good morning to you. Welcome in. And we're going to be talking law and order today. Uh, We're going to be talking about some issues that will impact you or could impact you. Hopefully they won't impact you. (laughs) And John Day is with us from the law firm of John Day. John, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. Great to have you with us today. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. You have a bigger smile than usual today because somebody told me you're having a 30th anniversary at the law firm. We are. In fact, uh, we have uh, we started our firm on January 1st, 1993. So we have finished 30 years, entering our 31st, and we're uh, celebrating all year long. I don't blame you. That is a celebration. Well, it's it was a, it was a scary thing. I remember uh, when I decided to do it in the fall of 1992, and I had a, a wife and a baby, and. Uh, I had a good job, and I decided to uh, leave the job and start my own firm, and 30 years later, it has managed to work out. Well, congratulations, and uh, you've helped a lot of people along the way. We, we, well, thank you. We, we have tried to, and uh, it's, it's been an honor uh, helping those folks. Uh, it's, uh, it's a huge responsibility. Uh, obviously, we seek that responsibility, but uh, we get a lot of pleasure out of, out of helping people. What I wanted to let people know is that we are celebrating all year by a series of giveaways uh, on our Facebook page. And I'm going to announce here on WGNS for the first time a major giveaway uh, for the month of September, pardon me, the month of March. So this won't be active until March 1st, but we are going to give away two tickets to the Taylor Swift concert in Nashville. Now, people may who, who are into Taylor Swift may know that these are the hottest tickets uh, around. Uh, there was my wife did the heavy lifting on this for our family because I've got a 15-year-old daughter who's a Taylor Swift fan, and she had to have tickets. So my wife spent the day on the telephone and computer waiting to get access to tickets. We ended up with six, and we're giving away two. Uh, on Facebook, uh, starting the contest in uh, March. So if you're interested in Taylor Swift tickets and you uh, can't afford them or didn't get the opportunity to to, uh, to get them when they were on sale, uh, pay attention to our Facebook page uh, and uh, we'll let you know how you can win. So when March comes, look at the John Day Facebook page. Correct. Well, you can start earlier. This month, we're giving away 30 uh, Chick-fil-A meals Ooh, to celebrate right. 30 years. So believe it or not, that contest is very, very popular. But Taylor Swift starts in March because we want to give away the tickets at the end of March so people can prepare. It's the first weekend in May is when she's going to be performing at the uh, stadium in Nashville. 
So those are big. That's a big deal. I think the tickets right now on the on the secondary market are settling selling for I think seven hundred a piece. Wow. So they're <laughs> yeah. And by the way, just uh, to let you know, I I'm not interested in giving these tickets away to somebody who wants to sell them, and I'm not interested to give them away. Quite frankly, to people who could probably afford them, I'm interested in giving away to to uh, a mom or a dad and a young girl or boy who's really, really interested in going but couldn't otherwise afford to go. So we're gonna have a little screening mechanism to try to identify people who meet those criteria. And I know there's lots of people out there who meet it, but we'd, we did something like this a couple of years ago, you may remember when Hamilton, the play, came to Nashville. Right, over at GPAC. Yes, correct. and. I like to go to the theater, and, and our family loves Hamilton. So I bought two extra tickets uh, right in the middle of the theater, four rows back, and gave them away to um, a man and his son who really, really wanted to go. And it was I was there that night. It was a big night for them, big night for me. We want to do something similar for the Taylor Swift concert. Fantastic. So check out the uh, John Day Law Firm uh, website Facebook, or Facebook, Facebook page. Site. That's okay. where it'll be. Yes, sir. And uh, the Taylor Swift contest is next month. Yes, sir. But right now you can still have some Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. I, I admit uh, it, it is one of my guilty pleasures. <laughs> well, just go out and enjoy it. <laughs> I do uh, drink the diet lemonade. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, see this? I, I have some self-restraint. But you eat the diet Chick-fil-A. <laughs> the diet chicken and the diet waffle fries. That is correct. He's ready for that. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about, and then at the beginning we said, uh, we hope you don't need this information. We're going to be talking about the differences between car accidents uh, with 18-wheelers, the big trucks. Uh, man, I wouldn't want to be with one of those. Well, yeah, I mean, it, we all know uh, in one way that anything with a greater mass presents a greater danger, right? But I don't know that we know the extent of the problem. <laughs> and quite frankly, in, in, in Tennessee, uh, so far this year, there have been 12, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 1,327 fatalities on the road, and a decent percentage of them, over 10%, were caused by uh, tractor or involved tractor trailer rigs. I want to be careful when I say that. Not every single wreck, in, wreck involving a tractor trailer rig is the fault of the tractor trailer, okay? I mean, sometimes people make mistakes driving their cars they're involved in a wreck with a tractor trailer uh, and it's easy to immediately look at the tractor trailer that's not fair and that's not the way the judicial system works but whether you're at fault or uh, or you are innocent when vehicles small vehicles come into contract with contact with tractor trailers bad things happen because of the greater mass let me ask you this, because a truck driver is going to be a person who's professionally trained. They have a license. Uh, they they drive all the time. They're a professional driver. You would think that they would maybe be a better driver. Uh, are, are there more of them uh, who are not being in accidents and and, you know, if there was a group to choose to, to have an accident with, even though they're in a big truck, 
uh, they're a better driver. There are, there are many, many, many outstanding human beings who are truck drivers and who are excellent truck drivers. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Many of them do uh, have uh, lots and lots of experience by the road and work for companies who insist that they operate in a safe fashion. So uh, I am not an anti-truck driver person, uh, but I think if you could get the reasonably prudent uh, truck driver to sit down with you and uh, have a beer and talk about it calmly, they would agree with me that there are truck drivers on the road who probably shouldn't be there. I was talking with a truck driver this weekend who was telling me that he saw a situation recently where a person was giving six days driving experience behind a, on a commercial vehicle and then put on the road driving tandem trailers with hazardous materials. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, six days. Wow. You know, so, I mean, I think most of us would agree that that's pretty risky for the driver, for the material, and for the traveling public. So what what has happened is that there's such a huge demand for truck drivers right now. The trucking companies have lots of demands to move freight. And when they do that, they need drivers because each driver can only drive a certain number of hours and still be lawful. So they need to have more drivers. When they need more drivers, there's only so many people who are qualified to drive these trucks. They have to dig deeper into the pool. We've got record low unemployment, right? So that means that some companies are willing to dig a little too deep into the pool and find people who have problems, but they need to have trucks. Other companies are doing exactly what they should do. They just say, we can't haul any more freight. Or they make an effort to go out and train drivers correctly. But some companies um, don't view it that way. They go out and get people who probably shouldn't be on the road or, or make them drive too long, too many hours, and then that increases the risk of problems. Now, if you have a, a I believe the license is a CDL. Correct. If you have one of those, uh, does it ever uh, need to be renewed? Does does the test, I don't mean just go down and renew it, but do you are you tested? Each time you renew it to be sure that you're as good as you were the last time. You are not retested, no. No, just like with driving a car. You uh, you get a CDL and you keep a CDL for life unless you accumulate too many points or that sort of thing. But your car doesn't weigh all of those tons and tons and tons, and you certainly don't drive hazardous material in your car. Well, well that's true, but the way... The system is set up, and I don't see this changing, is that when you get a CDL, you have a CDL. Period. And, and, and it's one reason why truck drivers work very, very hard to avoid, good ones, avoid getting points on their license because those points, those charges against their CDL can result in them losing their CDL, which can result in them losing their li livelihood. Twenty-some years ago, I'll never forget this, I was taking a deposition, an out-of-court statement, 
from a safety director of a trucking company in New Jersey. The truck driver in that case had uh, taken a tanker truck full of alcohol across a railroad line uh, when the red lights were flashing and I represented the two engineers of the train that broadsided that tanker of uh, alcohol. The, the tanker wrapped around the front of the locomotive. The locomotive burst into flames and my two clients were killed as was a third man who was also in the engine. The truck driver in that case had two different driver's licenses, one in New Jersey, one in New York, uh, because he'd racked up so many points, he lost the New York one, so he just went to New Jersey to get one. Now, there's systems in place to make that harder to do, but my point is, when you are a truck driver, you make a living driving truck. You don't make money when you're not driving truck. Therefore, it is important for them to keep their license and keep driving. And right now, when we have storms popping up and the roads are hazardous in places, when a storm, snowstorm comes in, they just keep on going. Well, they have to, right? I mean, more or less they have to because there's, there's stuff that needs to be moved from point A to point B. Now they should, and many, many of them do, reduce their speed to take into account the conditions. That's what the law requires. But yeah, they've got to keep moving. So what do you do to reduce your risk of being involved uh, with an 18-wheeler crash? I think the, uh, the main thing that a driver of a car or a truck can do is stay out of the blind spot of tractor trailers. In other words, don't run alongside them or slightly behind them. Make an effort to give them a lot of extra space. What we see is a lot of wrecks at interstate speeds where a truck will change lanes and clip a car and spin it into the barrier separating the two ways of the interstate or spin it off into the trees. And it's, it is the responsibility of the truck driver to ensure that his or her move from one lane to the other can be made with safety but sometimes they don't look and sometimes they don't see. <laughs> you understand the difference, right? right? Absolutely. And, and, and so the placement of your vehicle can help reduce the risk that they're going to make a mistake. Uh, I, for one, you will not see me drive down the interstate next to a tractor trailer. I will speed up and get ahead of them and then try to move in front or I will drop back behind. I don't run side by side. Now, what about the truck drivers? And, and looks like they're creating issues, potential problems, where they are almost uh, racing with each other. And one of them says in his mind, I'm going to get ahead. They'll pull out. And as soon as they pull out, there's a hill ahead. And the two of them go side by side for the next 10 or 15 minutes because it's a long hill and all the traffic is behind them. Frustrating, isn't it? It is. It really is. And that is. looks like that would create a potential accident too. It, it creates not only potential accidents, but it creates frustration, right? So then there are cars that will, 
either go on the shoulder and try to get around or they're honking the horns. This day you worry about people having guns in the vehicle. I mean, it is, I, I understand the desire to keep moving, right? Because you get paid to drive. But I, I, th I think that sort of the golden rule applies here. Treat others the way you would want them to treat you. And that is, if you're going up a hill, if you're taking the, going up the hill from, uh, from Cookville to Crossville, so there are several places through that route of I-40 where this problem happens all the time, S stay in the right lane, please. Yeah, that's as, it's as easy as that. Stay in the right lane. Well, now, if you are involved in an accident with an 18-wheeler, we've talked in, in other programs about what do you do if you're in a, a wreck? Well, are there different things that you need to be doing if you're involved in an 18-wheeler crash? They're the exact same things, except, quite frankly, even more prompt acts, uh, work is required. Let, let me tell you why. I was uh, involved in a case a couple of years ago uh, where a, a person was killed by a tractor trailer. She was a pedestrian. And I got called about a week after the wreck. And um, I got the police department photographs. And do you know what I saw in the police department photographs? The trucking company lawyer <laughs> was there within one hour investigating the wreck so what the trucking companies have and i by the way once again I, I don't fault them for this they're not doing anything wrong but what they have is rapid response teams and they have law certain law firms around the state i'm sure around the country that when something horrible happens the truck driver calls the company the company calls the trucking drivers the, the insurance company the insurance company calls their lawyer the lawyer goes to the scene the lawyer may bring an accident reconstructionist with them or have one there very quickly because there is evidence there at the scene there may be eyewitnesses but there's also physical evidence that it can help determine how the wreck happened and how it could have been prevented they get there first. That typically doesn't happen in car, just plain old car wreck cases, uh, because there's there's no they're not set up to respond that quickly. But in big truck wreck cases, they are there really really quick. They don't beat the police, but they're there shortly uh, after the police arrive and starting an investigation. So. It's important that you or a member of your family reach out to somebody to do the same thing for you, to get that information quickly before it disappears. Very important. Our guest this morning, John Day. We will continue. We're talking about what do you do if you're involved in a, an accident with one of those big trucks, the big trucks, the trailer trucks on the interstate. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And if you have a question about this, or maybe you've been involved yourself, text us, 615-893-1450. 615-893-1450. We'll start taking those texts when we come back. Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Weekday mornings at 10. Station. Rutherford County's Place to Talk.
Hi, this is Peter Demas. One of the things that we've done years ago is we've been able to do our orders, like our pastas and many other items, that we used to be able to put them in large pans. And now we have a catering team that will even deliver it to your home. We can drop it off for you, set it up, or they can come in and pick it up. Look up our catering menu on www.demasrestaurants.com. This is Peter Demas at Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Dan Mitchell from Music World and Drummer's Den. We have a larger selection than any of the other big box stores. Much better prices. Uh, selection is wonderful from keyboards, drums, guitars, ukuleles are big this year. We also have lighting. This is Dan Mitchell from Music World and Drummer's Den. Come down and look around. We have what you need. Music World and Drummer's Den is located at 2762 South Church Street, right across from Indian Hills Golf Course. Good morning. I'm looking at a crash involving injuries north of Nashville on 65 northbound at OHB. That's Old Hickory Boulevard there in the Madison area. Again, it's northbound. It's got traffic pretty slow. It does have some injuries. Several cars are involved. Again, we're looking at this slowdown on 65 northbound in Madison at Old Hickory Boulevard. Hey, Nash Painting services all of Middle Tennessee. They're online right now, nashpainting.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios, MTE Sharing Change is funded by members who round up their electric bills to the nearest dollar each month as a donation and support hundreds of local nonprofits. Find out more at sharingchange.org. Through midday today, a wind advisory in effect. We'll see gradually clearing conditions with temperatures falling into the 50s. Winds turning to the west at 15 to 30. I'm meteorologist Michael Carroll, News Radio WGNS. Currently at 63. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. This is MTSU President Sidney McPhee. You're listening to WGNS, your local connection to Blue Raider Atlanta. WGNS AM, FM, online. Welcome back. John Day is with us this morning from the law firm of John Day. Proud to have him with us. Uh, They're celebrating their 30th anniversary. How about that? 30th anniversary of the law firm of John Day. All this month, uh, and rightfully all this year. And we encourage you also to check their Facebook page, the law firm of John Day. And they're giving away right now some uh, goodies from uh, Chick-fil-A. But next month, Taylor Swift tickets. Taylor Swift. Wow, that, that's going to be big. Our phone number, 615-893-1450, 615-893-1450. We had a person who was waiting, but they weren't quite as patient as they should be. <laughs> but we do have a text here from a listener, and they're asking, uh, is there a difference in uh, the type of uh, items that we should save, uh, evidence we should gather uh, when it's a, a truck involved? And we were talking a little about that last time, but uh, I guess they're talking about when you get to court. Uh, is the evidence difference different in a truck accident versus a vehicle, car, car to car? 
Well, there is some evidence that is different. Uh, for instance, in uh, in wrecks involving tractor-trailer trucks, it is often important to understand where the driver had been and where he or she was going and for how long they were driving. So one thing that is important is obtaining the driver's logs and understanding where he or she had been driving and what brakes they were taking to see if they complied with federal law. And the reason that's important is we want to see whether overwork or drowsiness uh, had any sort of impact on the ability to properly drive the vehicle. Another thing that is often more important is the mechanical condition of the tractor-trailer rig. Um, for instance, uh, we are involved in a case right now where the brakes on the on the trailer were so bad that they were being held together with zip ties. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> and no. this is a commercial trailer. This is a commercial vehicle, and the brakes were being held together with zip ties. I had a commercial vehicle wreck four years ago where the a truck driver testified under oath. There, you're supposed to chuck. There's a checklist you're supposed to undertake every single day before you drive your vehicle and this truck driver testified that he knew how to do that and he trained to do it and he did it every single day and um, when I showed him pictures of various brake uh, the, the way brake landings appeared on his trailer um, he said that they were fine okay he knew so little about how to inspect it that he reckoned he he thought that the brakes that he was looking at were fine and in fact they were totally out of standard and in one place on uh, one set of wheels the brake pads were completely gone so he the fact of the matter is he finally admitted that his back was such that and his knees were such that he could not bend down or get down to physically examine <laughs> the trailer brakes hmm, and that's okay. why they were defective well now we have a, another text from a listener and this one is asking do large trucks have different insurance policies than cars yes um, so there are large trucks have what we would call a commercial policy under federal law they must be a minimum of seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars most trucking companies have $1 million policies. What I mean by that is that if the truck causes a wreck, they have $1 million worth of insurance. So it has to be at least 750. Most have at least 1 million. Many have more than a million. In Tennessee, the average, uh, well, I don't know what the average car, how much insurance they have, but they'd only have to have $25,000 per person $50,000 per wreck. So there's 50 times usually more insurance available in a commercial vehicle, big wreck, a big truck policy than there is on a car, as much as 50 times more. By the way, since I've been here last, we've talked about uninsured motorist coverage and, and how many people who are drive the streets of Tennessee do not have insurance on their car. And I've told you and your listeners multiple times 
that 22% of the people on the road uh, in Tennessee have no insurance. And use the example that as you're driving down the street, every fifth car you meet does not have insurance. And I was wrong, Bart. Okay, what it, is it's 26 percent. Holy it's even worse. higher. Yeah, it's even higher. Brand new statistics just came out. So what that means is that if you get out, leave your house and drive to Kroger, or you leave your house and drive to Dollar General, and you meet a car, there's a one out of four chance that that driver has no insurance to protect him or to compensate you in the event he makes a mistake and hurts you. One out of four. Now, on the surface, you, you would think, is that different with the big trucks? And I would think, no, it's not different with them. Those guys are professionals. But you mentioned them holding the, the brakes together with ties. Tie, twi- yeah, ties, the, the, zip ties. The pla- yeah, uh, which makes you think, well, maybe they're not that different. Well, no, I... I, I First of all, under federal law, this is not a state law that requires at least $750,000 insurance. One of the things the Department of uh, Transportation's got a division that deals with the regulation of big trucks, and they insist upon a uh, insurance statement being sent every single year that says, yes, these trucks are covered. And I will tell you, in 41 years now, almost 42 years of doing this, I've never been involved in a big truck wreck case that did where the trucker did not have insurance. Okay. Never, it can happen, but I've, I've never seen it happen. Uh, it, but in cars, yeah, 26% of the drivers. Now, here's a, another question from listeners, and they say they drive on the road quite a bit. Uh, they travel, and they do this for a living. They're a salesperson. Uh, and they see a lot of those uh, off-ramps where the truckers have to stop and looks like they're being weighed. What else are they doing? Because I see a lot of the trucks just drive on by and don't stop. Well, we, we have one just south of here on Highway 24 going to Chattanooga, right? So there's a way station there. and But many times the trucks are allowed to pass through. There's a communication from the way station, <laughs> So they're not stopping every single truck. They're doing a sample, right? Or some days, you know, they're closed for whatever reason. And they can also do safety checks at those at those way stations. So it's a random thing. I th- yeah. and, and that device says, okay, we don't need you to stop. We have our quota right now. Yeah, or we, we don't want to have a line of people backed up on the ramp onto the interstate. That would create a hazard too. So, yeah, they don't stop every single day 100 percent of the trucks that go by and quite frankly we don't want them to right what a mess oh yeah it would be but is that a place also that finds if you're not uh if if you're driving too long or if you have a, a load that's shifting in the back or occasionally they will stop and do a a driver's log check at that or they will check brakes so they will check to make sure your lights function but the primary purpose of those way stations are to weigh trucks to make sure that they are not overloaded okay and they don't check the loads in the back i mean it may happen from time to time but that's not the purpose let's talk a little more about the evidence being different in a, a truck crash when you're 
out there. Uh, the people who are involved, if, if you're not terribly injured yourself, I guess you need to be sort of aware of what's going on around you. And uh, are you encouraged to take as many pictures with your cell phone as you can? Yeah, I mean, any sort of data is important. So if, if it's a, a very horrific wreck, you're not going to be in the position to take pictures. And you're not going to be in the position to get witness statements or to get the names and addresses of witnesses. You're going to have to talk to, depend on the police to do that for you. It's your family members in these horrible situations that are going to have to gather around and support you and get you some help when you can't help yourself. If you are able, yes, it's it's good to gather, to take photographs and to get the, particularly the names and addresses and cell phones of people who witnessed the wreck. That's very important uh, because sometimes people leave. I witnessed a wreck recently. Somebody almost hit me head on. I had to pull off the road and this car flipped in front of me. Wow. Well, I waited until the police came and I gave them, but I, I asked them for permission to leave because I was late to an appointment and they called me the next day and took my statement. Well, that can happen at the scene, right? People have to leave, but it's somebody needs to gather their name, their address and their phone number. And the, the police, do they always do that? Or obviously they don't always do that. Uh, gathering that information? No, they don't because sometimes people don't stick around or sometimes it seems obvious to the police what happened and they don't do a more thorough investigation, particularly more what appears to be a minor wreck. Uh, they just don't do that. In Metro right now, Metro Nashville, uh, sometimes the police don't even come out anymore. The drivers just exchange information and there's no formal report done uh, just because there's police got lots of other things to do. What does that do to you in court? Uh, well, it can, it, believe it or not, it can create a problem. I can believe it. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, some people may deny being there. You they know, I wasn't in a wreck. I wasn't in the wreck. You know, I wasn't driving. Maybe it was my car. My car was stolen right or you ran into me i didn't run into you i mean there's that the the lack of police response in those i'm going to call them less serious wrecks uh is a real problem we see it all the time too in parking lot wrecks you know the police aren't going to respond to most wrecks involved in parking lot unless there's a bad personal injury and then there's all sorts of back and forth about what actually happened and who was involved but the damage to the car can be ten thousand, twenty thousand easily. Oh sure, yeah. And so uh, your your insurance company, which is an increase in your bill, uh, is stuck with that. Yes, that's right. So that's that, that's why. If, if for instance, let's talk about parking lot wrecks. You're in a you're at the Kroger and you're in a somebody backs into your car and damages it. Let's say you're not hurt at all. The odds of the police coming to that investigate that wreck are very low. It is really, really important for you uh, to, number one, take photographs. Number two, take a picture of the license plate. Number three, get the other driver's name and phone number and insurance information. If they won't give it to you, take their picture at a minimum and get their license plate. 
and then walk into Kroger and say, I was just involved in a wreck in your parking lot. I would like you to save the surveillance camera footage for this particular setage of the, uh, portion of the parking lot and uh, parking lot and ask ask that that be saved because that may be the only way you can actually prove what happened. In all course, if there's any other, other people who actually witnessed it, get their name and, and telephone number as well. Now, you, you said that this is Metro Nashville who is doing this. Are they doing it in Rutherford County? No, don't. I believe that Rutherford County is still fully responding to any sort of wreck that takes place here. If people, I mean, they're not going to do it if it's fender bender, there's no damage whatsoever. They're not going to show up unless somebody insists. But no, they're still uh, doing a, a complete work up here. We have some more text questions, and we'll be looking at those in just a moment. John Day is with us. We're going to be entering the final segment of the program. So if you have been involved with a big rig tra uh, crash, uh, give us a shout. 615-893-1450. You can talk or text, whichever you prefer on that one number. 615-893-1450. We'll return. Stay with us. Don't throw away old flags. WGNS retires old glory with respect. Bring those tattered Bibles here, too. We're more than talk. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come see us for all your gift, gardening, and farm needs. We have anything you need for the perfect gift for what you need on your farm. And if you're needing to take care of your yard or garden, please come see us. We also have a great selection in our pet department. Please come see us for all your pet needs and also for your feathered friends. Hi, this is Tina Fox. Come by and see us. The Co-op Farm and Home Center is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Through midday today, a wind advisory in effect. We'll see gradually clearing conditions with temperatures falling into the 50s. Winds turning to the west at 15 to 30. I'm meteorologist Michael Kara, News Radio WGNS. Currently at 63. We're News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNS John Day is our guest this morning with the law firm of John Day, celebrating their 30th anniversary all this year. And they're doing some special things that you can be the winners of. Like right now, they're through their Facebook page. They're giving away some Chick-fil-A goodies. And next month, uh, this is exciting, two tickets to the Taylor Swift concert. This was the second round of purchases, I guess. <laughs> the first one. Did anybody get tickets on that first round where the fiasco was? Well, we did. By, no, by, so this was the yeah, first one. Yeah, no, okay. this was the first one. They expanded the nights. So they ended up with, uh, I think, is it three nights now? I can't remember. But they, yeah, they, it was obvious there was going to be a sellout. So they added an additional night or two. But yeah, my wife sat all day. I mean, I. 
hours, I can and imagine. hours and hours through that disaster to get these six tickets, uh, two of which we're giving away. And, of course, uh, those will be available, those two tickets, in the contest starting next month. Starting, right, starting. Uh, and that's on your Facebook page. That'll be on our Facebook page, yes, sir. All righty. Let's, let's talk about some of the other uh, areas of damage with trucks and things of that sort. Uh, evidence is one of the big things. The black boxes in airplanes, everybody knows about the black box in airplanes. They may not realize that most of the newer, well, I guess all the newer cars have them. And uh, dating back uh, to some earlier models, they have them. But what about trucks? Do they, I mean, that's a big vehicle. Right. The trucks, uh, almost every truck on the road uh, these days has a black box, also called an electronic control module, that gathers information constantly while the vehicle is operating. And there are, so that you can, you can download, you just literally take a cable, put it into a receptacle, download it into your computer, and you can read how many miles the truck has been driven, what its average fuel economy is, how many times it is applied a hard brake, and there's so a, a hard stop. All that sort of data is kept historically for the entire life of the truck. And then in the event of either an airbag deployment or a hard stop, the last five, eight, ten seconds of data is automatically stored by that black box. And you can look at that and determine the position of the, the steering wheel uh, at the time that the hard stop uh, started, what, how it turned afterwards, you can look at what the speed was. You can look at when the brakes were applied and put what percentage they were applied. Were they, in other words, does somebody, quotation marks, stand on the brakes? Uh, you can gather all that data. And that data helps you understand what was happening uh, in the cab of that truck and what happened after danger was observed. That is often these days combined with video. A lot of truckers are now driving with video cameras that are out facing. Uh, and so they're capturing information in front of them. And between the video camera and this black box data, you can truly understand what was going on. And in fact, Bart, some trucks have microphones in the cab where they're capturing what their driver is saying at the time he or she's going down the road. So we had a wreck two years ago where a driver did a U-turn on a four-lane road, a tractor trailer on a full-speed road, did a U-turn through a cut-through and blocked the road and my client hit it broadside. Okay, and was he was killed. As the truck driver's making the turn, he can see traffic coming and he says, I swear to God, get out of my way, man. Oh man. As he's blocking the road with the trailer. God. And um so my point is an experienced trucking lawyer understands what sort of information is out there and then works promptly to make sure that information is not destroyed in the ordinary course of business. This stuff isn't kept forever. They don't have to keep it forever. 
But one of the first things we do when we get involved in one of these cases is send what we call a preservation letter that says, we want you to save the following things. And I think it's 15 or 16 items that we ask the trucking company and the truck driver to gather and preserve for our inspection. Here's a, another text question from a listener. This is based on your 26% of the drivers are uninsured. Uh, any information about how many of those might not be uh, legally in the United States? I have no information on that. Uh, the insurance companies, quite frankly, may have that information, but uh, I, I do not. That's not public information that I know of. I can say this. Uh, I am sure that there are, I think it's more related to poverty than where somebody's country of origin is. So for instance, if you go uh, to Memphis, I think the number is 45%, okay? Without Without insurance. insurance, yes. So don't drive there. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you, you, you can drive there. It's just that you have to be aware of the fact that when you are driving and if you get hit, even if it's not your own fault, your insurance is going to have to pay. And the only way that will happen is if you have uninsured motorist coverage. And the only way you will be fairly treated is if you have enough uninsured motorist coverage to protect yourself from it. Here's another question, and I've heard this, but I've never heard it, uh, whether it's confirmed or not, that some of the large companies who have uh, the, the big rigs, uh, they're using self-driving vehicles uh, as an experiment, and they're driving uh, from one point of Tennessee to the other part of Tennessee uh, using uh, driverless uh, vehicles, but people are in them. Uh, if you're hit by one of those, is that different? Or have you heard about that? Well, I have heard about it. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't know much about that because the legislature decided that the trucking companies didn't have to tell us. Oh, no. So they're out there and you don't know. That's right. I mean, so in California, for instance, there has to be a report filed every month with the... Um, with the uh, with the state of California that indicates if you've got these driverless vehicles on the road at a commercial driverless vehicles and what kind of experience they're how many miles are they being driven what's their accident rate and that sort of information Tennessee's legislature decided not to require that that happen in Tennessee so yes driverless vehicles including trucks can operate on Tennessee roads I personally have not yet been involved in a case involving a driverless truck. I, I, I testified in front of the legislature on this point and uh, played a role in, in having a law adopted that says that if a, driver's, a driverless vehicle is involved in a wreck, the vehicle is held to the same responsibility as a driver, okay? Because here's the, here's the problem, and this is going to take more time than maybe it should. I'll be, We've got about 20 seconds. <laughs> uh, then I don't have enough time. But uh, suffice it to say that there is a, still a way for a driverless vehicle and the owner of it to be held responsible for a wreck, uh, just as if they were a, a human driver. We have to cover this again. This is big information. Okay. John Day is with us this morning from the law firm of John Day. We are flat out of time. John, thanks for joining us. Happy 30th anniversary. Thank you, Barbara.